0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Annie Coleman in St. Louis, Missouri, in February, 2006. THE ADVENTURES OF HUCKLEBERRY FINN by Mark Twain. CHAPTER Eight. THE SUN WAS UP SO HIGH WHEN I WAKED THAT I JUDGED IT WAS AFTER EIGHT O'CLOCK. I laid there in the grass in the cool shade, thinking about things, and feeling rested, and rather comfortable and satisfied. I could see the sun out at one or two holes, but mostly it was big trees all about, and gloomy in there amongst them. There was freckle places on the ground where the light sifted down through the leaves, and the freckle places swapped about a little, showing there was a little breeze up there. A couple of squirrels set on a limb and jabbered at me very friendly. I WAS POWERFUL, LAZY, AND COMFORTABLE. DIDN'T WANT TO GET UP AND COOK BREAKFAST. WELL, I WAS DOZING OFF AGAIN WHEN I THINKS I HEAR A DEEP SOUND OF BOOM AWAY UP THE RIVER. I ROUSES UP AND RESTS ON MY ELBOW AND LISTENS. PRETTY SOON I HEARS IT AGAIN. I HOPPED UP AND WENT AND LOOKED OUT AT A HOLE IN THE LEAVES, AND I SEE A BUNCH OF SMOKE LAYING ON THE WATER A LONG WAYS UP, ABOUT ABREAST THE ferry, AND THERE WAS THE ferry BOAT full of people floating along down i knowed what was the matter now boom i see the white smoke squirt out of the ferryboat's side you see they was firing cannon over the water trying to make my carcass come to the top i was pretty hungry but it weren't going to do for me to start a fire because they might see the smoke so i sat there and watched the cannon smoke and listened to the boom the river was a mile wide there AND IT ALWAYS LOOKS PRETTY ON A SUMMER MORNING, SO I WAS HAVING A GOOD ENOUGH TIME SEEING THEM HUNT FOR MY REMAINDERS, IF I ONLY HAD A BITE TO EAT. WELL, THEN I happened TO THINK HOW THEY ALWAYS PUT QUICKSILVER IN LOAVES OF BREAD AND float THEM OFF, BECAUSE THEY ALWAYS GO RIGHT TO THE DROWNED CARCASS AND STOP THERE. SO, SAYS I, I'LL KEEP A LOOKOUT, AND IF ANY OF THEM'S floatin' AROUND AFTER ME, I'LL GIVE THEM A SHOW. I CHANGED TO THE ILLINOIS EDGE OF THE ISLAND TO SEE WHAT LUCK I COULD HAVE and I weren't disappointed. A big double loaf come along, and I most got it with a long stick, but my foot slipped, and she floated out further. Of course I was where the current set in the closest to the shore. I knowed enough for that. But by and by, along comes another one, and this time I won. I took out the plug, and shook out the little dab of quicksilver, and set my teeth in. It was baker's bread, what the quality eat, none your low-down corn pone. I GOT A GOOD PLACE AMONGST THE LEAVES, AND SET THERE ON A LOG, MUNCHING THE BREAD AND watchin' THE ferry BOAT, AND VERY WELL SATISFIED. AND THEN SOMETHING STRUCK ME. I SAYS, NOW I RECKON THE WIDOW, OR THE PARSON, OR SOMEBODY, PRAYED THAT THIS BREAD WOULD FIND ME, AND HERE IT HAS GONE AND DONE IT. SO THERE AIN'T NO DOUBT, BUT THERE IS SOMETHING IN THAT. THAT IS, THERE'S SOMETHING IN IT WHEN A BODY LIKE THE WIDOW OR THE PARSON PRAYS, BUT IT DON'T WORK FOR ME, AND I RECKON IT DON'T WORK FOR ONLY JUST THE RIGHT KIND." I lit a pipe, and had a good long smoke, and went on watching. The ferry-boat was floating with the current, and I allowed I'd have a chance to see who was aboard when she come along, because she would come in close where the bread did. When she got pretty well along down towards me, I put out my pipe, and went to where I fished out the bread, and laid down behind a log on the bank in a little open place. Where the log forked, I could peep through. By and by she come along, and she drifted in so close "'that they could have run out a plank and walked ashore. "'Most everybody was on the boat. "'Pap and Judge Thatcher and Bessie Thatcher "'and Joe Harper and Tom Sawyer and his old Aunt Polly "'and Sid and Mary and plenty more. "'Everybody was talking about the murder. "'But the captain broke in and says, "'Look sharp now. "'The current sets in the closest here, "'and maybe he's washed ashore and got tangled amongst the brush "'at the water's edge. "'I hope so, anyway.' "'I didn't hope so.' They all crowded up and leaned over the rails, nearly in my face, and kept still, watching with all their might. I could see them first-rate, but they couldn't see me. Then the captain sung out, "'Stand away!' And the cannon let off such a blast right before me that it made me deaf with the noise and pretty near blind with the smoke, and I judged I was gone. If they'd a had some bullets in, I reckon they'd a got the corpse they was after. Well, I see I weren't hurt, thanks to goodness.' The boat floated on and went out of sight around the shoulder of the island. I could hear the booming now and then, further and further off, and by and by, after an hour, I didn't hear it no more. The island was three mile long. I judged they had got to the foot and was giving it up, but they didn't yet a while. They turned around the foot of the island and started up the channel on the Missouri side, under steam and boomin' once in a while as they went. I crossed over to that side and watched them. When they got abreast the head of the island, they quit shootin' and dropped over to the Missouri shore and went home to the town. I knowed I was all right now. Nobody else would come a-hunting after me. I got my traps out of the canoe and made me a nice camp in the thick woods. I made a kind of tent out of my blankets to put my things under so the rain couldn't get at them. I catched a catfish and haggled him open with my saw, and towards sundown I started my campfire and had supper." THEN I SET OUT A LINE TO CATCH SOME FISH FOR BREAKFAST. WHEN IT WAS DARK, I set BY MY CAMPFIRE SMOKING, AND FEELING PRETTY WELL SATISFIED. BUT BY AND BY, IT GOT SORT OF LONESOME, AND SO I WENT AND sat ON THE BANK AND LISTENED TO THE CURRENT SWASHING ALONG, AND COUNTED THE STARS AND DRIFT LOGS AND RAFTS THAT COME DOWN, AND THEN WENT TO BED. THERE AIN'T NO BETTER WAY TO PUT IN TIME WHEN YOU ARE LONESOME. YOU CAN'T STAY SO. YOU SOON GET OVER IT. AND SO FOR THREE DAYS AND NIGHTS, NO DIFFERENCE, JUST THE SAME THING. BUT THE NEXT DAY I WENT EXPLORIN' AROUND DOWN THROUGH THE ISLAND. I WAS BOSS OF IT. IT ALL BELONGED TO ME, SO TO SAY, AND I WANTED TO KNOW ALL ABOUT IT. BUT MAINLY I WANTED TO PUT IN THE TIME. I FOUND PLENTY of STRAWBERRIES, RIPE AND PRIME, AND GREEN SUMMER GRAPES, AND GREEN RASPBERRIES, AND THE GREEN BLACKBERRIES WAS JUST BEGINNING TO SHOW. THEY WOULD ALL COME HANDY BY AND BY, I JUDGED. "'Well, I went foolin' along in the deep woods, "'till I judged I warn't far from the foot of the island. "'I had my gun along, but I hadn't shot nothin'. "'It was for protection. "'Thought I would kill some game, nigh home. "'About this time, I mighty near stepped on a good-sized snake, "'and it went slidin' off through the grass and flowers, "'and I after it, tryin' to get a shot at it. "'I clipped along, and all of a sudden I bounded right on to the ashes "'of a campfire that was still smokin' my heart jumped up amongst my lungs. I never waited for to look further, but uncocked my gun and went sneaking back on my tiptoes as fast as ever I could. Every now and then I stopped a second amongst the thick leaves and listened, but my breath come so hard I couldn't hear nothing else. I slunk along another piece further, then listened again, and so on and so on. If I see a stump, I took it for a man. If I tried on a stick and broke it, made me feel like a person had cut one of my breaths in two, and I only got half, and the short half, too. When I got to camp, I weren't feeling very brash. There weren't much sand in my craw, but I says, this ain't no time to be fooling around. So I got all my traps into my canoe again, so as to have them out of sight, and I put out the fire and scattered the ashes around to look like an old last year's camp, and then clumb a tree. I reckon I was up in the tree two hours, but I didn't see nothing, I didn't hear nothing. I only thought I heard and seen as much as a thousand things. Well, I couldn't stay up there forever, so at last I got down, but I kept in the thick woods and on the lookout all the time. All I could get to eat was berries and what was left over from breakfast. By the time it was night I was pretty hungry, so when it was good and dark I slid up from shore before moonrise and paddled over to the Illinois bank, about a quarter of a mile, I went out in the woods and cooked a supper, and I had about made up my mind I would stay there all night, when I hear it plunkety-plunk, plunkety-plunk, and says to myself, Horses coming, and next I hear people's voices. I got everything into the canoe as quick as I could, and then went creeping through the woods to see what I could find out. I hadn't got far when I hear a man say, We better camp here if we can find a good place. The horses is about beat out. Let's look around." I didn't wait but shoved out and paddled away easy. I tied up in the old place and reckoned I would sleep in the canoe. I didn't sleep much. I couldn't, somehow, for thinkin'. And every time I waked up I thought somebody had me by the neck, so the sleep didn't do me no good. By and by, I says to myself, I can't live this way. I'm a-goin' to find out who it is that's here on the island with me. I'll find it out or bust. Well, I felt better right off. So I took my paddle, and slid out from shore, just a step or two, and then let the canoe drop along down amongst the shadows. The moon was shining, and outside of the shadows it made it most as light as day. I poked along well on to an hour, everything still as rocks and sound asleep. Well, by this time I was most down to the foot of the island. A little ripply cool breeze begun to blow, and that was as good as saying the night was about done." I give her a turn with a paddle and brung her nose to shore. Then I got my gun and slipped out and into the edge of the woods. I sat down there on a log and looked out through the leaves. I see the moon go off watch, and the darkness begin to blanket the river. But in a little while I see a pale streak over the treetops, and knowed the day was comin'. So I took my gun and slipped off towards where I had run across that campfire, stopping every minute or two to listen. "'but I had not no luck somehow. "'I couldn't seem to find the place. "'But by and by, sure enough, "'I catched a glimpse of fire away through the trees. "'I went for it, cautious and slow. "'By and by, I was close enough to have a look, "'and there laid a man on the ground. "'It must give me the fantats.' "'He had a blanket round his head, "'and his hand was nearly in the fire. "'I sat there behind a clump of bushes in about six foot of him, "'and kept my eyes on him steady.' It was getting gray daylight now. Pretty soon he gapped and stretched himself and hove off the blanket. And it was Miss Watson's Jim. I bet I was glad to see him. I says, Hello, Jim, and skipped out. He bounced up and stared at me wild. Then he drops down on his knees and puts his hand together and says, Don't hurt me, don't. I ain't never done no harm to a ghost. I always liked dead people and done all I could for em you go and get into river again, what you belongs, and don't do nothin' to old Jim. I was always your friend. Well, I warn't long making him understand I warn't dead. I was ever so glad to see Jim. I warn't lonesome now. I told him I warn't afraid of him tellin' the people where I was. I talked along, but he only sat there and looked at me, never said nothin'. Then I says, "It's good daylight. Let's get breakfast. Make up your campfire, good." What's the use of makin' up the campfire to cook strawberries on such truck? But you got a gun, hain't you? Then we can get somethin' better than strawberries. Strawberries in such truck, I says, is that what you live on? I couldn't get nothin' else. He says, Why? How long you been on the island, Jim? I come here the night after you's killed. What all that time? Yes, indeedy. and you hain't had nothin' but that kind of rubbish to eat. No, sir, nuffin else. Well, you must be most starved, ain't you? I reckon I could eat a hoss. I think I could. How long you been on the island? Since the night I got killed. No. Why, what has you lived on? But you got a gun. Oh, yes, you got a gun. That's good. Now you kill something, and I'll make up the fire. So we went over to where the canoe was, and while he built a fire in a grassy open place amongst the trees, I fetched meal and bacon and coffee and coffee pot and frying pan and sugar and tin cups, and the nigger was set back considerable, because he reckoned it was all done with witchcraft. I catched a good big catfish, too, and Jim cleaned him with his knife and fried him. When breakfast was ready, we lolled on the grass and eat it smokin' hot. Jim laid it in with all his might, for he was most about starved. Then, when he had got pretty well stuffed, we laid off and lazied. "'By and by,' Jim says.' Looky here, Huck, who was it dad was killed in that shanty if it weren't you?' Then I told him the whole thing, and he said it was smart. He said Tom Sawyer couldn't get up no better plan than what I had. Then I says, how do you come to be here, Jim, and how'd you get here?' He looked pretty uneasy and didn't say nothing for a minute. Then he says, "'Maybe I better not tell.' "'Why, Jim?' "'Well, these reasons.' "'But you wouldn't tell on me if I was to tell you, would you, Huck?' "'Blamed if I would, Jim.' "'Well, I believe you, Huck. I... I run off.' "'Jim!' "'But mind, you said you wouldn't tell. You know you said you wouldn't tell, Huck.' "'Well, I did. I said I wouldn't, and I'll stick to it. Honest Injun. I will. "'People would call me a low-down abolitionist and despise me for keeping mum, "'but that don't make no difference. "'I ain't a goin' to tell, and I ain't a-going back there anyways.' "'so now let's know all about it.' "'Well, you see, it was this way. "'Old Missus, that's Miss Watson. "'She pecks on me all the time "'and treats me pooty rough, "'and she always says she wouldn't sell me down to Orleans. "'But I noticed there was a nigger trade "'around the place considerable lately, "'and I begin to get uneasy. On "'Well, one night I creeps to the door pooty late, "'and it don't want quite shut, "'and I hear Old Misses tell de widder she gwine to sell me to Orleans, "'but she didn't want to, "'but she could get eight hundred dollars for me, "'and it is such a big stack of money she couldn't resist. "'De widder, she tried to get her to say she wouldn't do it, "'but I never waited to hear de rest. "'I lit out mighty quick, I tell you. "'I tuck out and shin down de hill "'and spec to steal a skift "'long to show somewheres above de town, "'but they was people a stirrin' yet, "'so I hid in de old tumble-down copper shop on de bank "'to wait for everybody to go away. "'Well, I was there all night, they was somebody round all the time. Long about six in the mornin', skiffs begun to go by, and bout eight or nine, every skiff that went long was talking about how yo' pap come over to town and says you's killed. These last skiffs was full of ladies and gentlemen a goin' over for to see the place. Sometimes they'd pull up at the shore and take a rest before they started across. So by the talk, I got to know all about the killin'. I was powerful sorry you's killed, Huck, but I ain't no more now. I laid there under the shavings all day. I was hungry, but I weren't afeard, because I knowed Ole missus and de widder was going to start to de camp-meeting right after breakfast and be goin' all day, and dey knows I goes off wid de cattle bout daylight, so dey wouldn't spec to see me round de place, and so dey wouldn't miss me till after dark in de evenin'. De' other servants wouldn't miss me, cause dey'd shin out and take holiday soon as de ol' folks is out and de way. "'Well, when it come dark, I took out up de river road, and went about two miles or more to get where they weren't no houses. "'I'd made up my mind about what I was a gwine to do. "'You see, if I kept on trying to get away afoot, the dogs would track me. "'If I stole a skiff to cross over, they'd miss that skift, you see, "'and they'd know about where I land on the other side, and where to pick up my track. "'So I says, a raft is what I's after. It don't make no track.' I see a light a comin' round de point by and by, so I wade in and shoved a log ahead o' me and swum more'n half way across de river and got in amongst de driftwood and kept my head down low, and kinder swum against de current till de raft come along. Den I swum to de stern of it and tuck a holt. It clouded up and it was pretty dark for a little while, so I clumb up and laid down on de planks. De men is all the way yonder in de middle, where de lantern was. De river was a risin' and they was a good current, so I reckoned that by four in the morning I'd be twenty-five mile down the river, and then I'd slip in just before daylight and swim ashore and take to the woods on the Illinois side. But I didn't have no luck. When we was most down to the head of the island, a man began to come aft with the lantern. I see it weren't no use for the wait, so I slid overboard and struck out for the island. Well, I had a notion I could land most anywheres, but I couldn't. Bank too bluff.' "'I was most to the foot of the island before I founds a good place. "'I went into the woods and jagged I wouldn't fool with rafts no more, "'long as they moved they lantern round so. "'I had my pipe and a plugger dog leg and some mattress in my cap, "'and they weren't wet, so I was all right. "'And so you ain't had no meat nor bread to eat all this time? "'Why didn't you get mud turkles? "'How are you going to get 'em? "'You can't slip up on em and grab them, "'and how's a body going to hit em with a rock?' "'How could a body do it in de night? "'And I war not going to show myself on de bank in daytime.' "'Well, that's so. "'You've had to keep in the woods all the time, of course. "'Did you hear him shootin' the cannon?' "'Oh, yes, I knowed dey was arter you. "'I see him go by here, watch him through de bushes.' "'Some young birds come along, flyin' a yard or two at a time, and lighten. "'Jim said it was a sign it was going to rain.' He said it was a sign when young chickens flew that way, and so he reckoned it was the same way when young birds done it. I was going to catch some of them, but Jim wouldn't let me. He said it was death. He said his father laid mighty sick once, and some of them catched a bird, and his old granny said his father would die, and he did. And Jim said you mustn't count the things you are going to cook for dinner, because that would bring bad luck. The same if you shook the tablecloth after sundown. "'Andy said if a man owned a beehive and that man died, "'the bees must be told about it before sun-up next morning, "'or else the bees would all weaken down and quit work and die. "'Jim said bees wouldn't sting idiots, "'but I didn't believe that because I had tried them lots of times myself, "'and they wouldn't sting me. "'I had heard about some of these things before, but not all of them. "'Jim knowed all kinds of signs. "'He said he knowed most everything. "'I said it looked to me like all the signs was about bad luck.' "'so I asked him if there weren't any good-luck signs. "'He says, "'Mighty few, and dey ain't no use to a body. "'What you want to know when good-lucks a-comin' for? "'Want to keep it off?' "'Andy said, "'If you's got hairy arms and a hairy breast, "'it's a sign that you's a gwine to be rich. "'Well, dey's some use in a sign like that, "'cause it's so fur her head. "'You see, maybe you's got to be Poe a long time first. "'and so you might get discouraged and kill yourself "'if you didn't know by sign that you gwine to be rich by and by. "'Have you got hairy arms and a hairy breast, Jim?' "'What's de use to ask that question? Don't you see I has?' "'Well, are you rich?' "'No, but I've been rich once, and I gwine to be rich again. "'Once I had fourteen dollars, but I took to speculating and got busted out.' "'What did you speculate in, Jim?' "'Well, first I tackled stock.' "'What kind of stock?' "'Why, livestock. Cattle, you know. I put ten dollars in a cow. But I ain't gwine to risk no more money in stock. The cow up and died on my hands.' "'So you lost the ten dollars?' "'No, I didn't lose it all. I only lost about nine of it. I sold a hide and Taller for a dollar and ten cents.' "'You had a dollar and ten cents left. Did you speculate any more?' "'Yes. You know that one-legged nigger that belongs to old Mr. Bradish. "'Well, he set up a bank, and said anybody to put in a dollar "'will get four dollars more at the end of the year. "'Well, all the niggers went in, but they didn't have much. "'I was the only one to have much. "'So I stuck out for more than four dollars, "'and I said if I didn't get it, I'd start a bank myself. "'Well, of course, that nigger want to keep me out of de business, "'because he says there weren't business enough for two banks. "'So he said I could put in my five dollars,' "'and he pay me thirty-five at the end of the year. "'So I done it. "'Then I reckon I'd invest de thirty-five dollars right off "'and keep things a movin'. "'There was a nigger named Bob that had catched a wood flat, "'and his marster didn't know it, "'and I bought it off him "'and told him to take the thirty-five dollars "'when de end of the year come, "'but somebody stole the wood flat that night, "'and next day the one-legged nigger said the bank's busted, "'so they didn't none of us get no money.' What did you do with the ten cents, Jim? Well, I was going to spend it, but I had a dream, and de dream told me to give it to a nigger named Balaam. Balaam's ass, they call him for short. He's one of them chuckleheads, you know, but he's lucky, they say, and I see I weren't lucky. De dream says, let Balaam invest the ten cents, and he'd make a raise for me. Well, Balaam, he took the money, and when he was in church, he heard the preacher say that whoever give to de pole... LEND TO DE LORD, AND BOUND TO GIVE HIS MONEY BACK A HUNDRED TIMES. SO Balam HE TOOK AND GIVE DE TEN CENTS TO DE POLE, AND LAID LOW TO SEE WHAT WAS gwine TO COME OF IT. WELL, WHAT DID COME OF IT, JIM? NUFFIN NEVER CAME OF IT. I COULDN'T MANAGE TO COLLECT THAT MONEY NO WAY, AND Balam HE COULDN'T. I AIN'T GOING TO LEND NO MORE MONEY, DOUBT I SEE DE SECURITY. BOUND TO GET YOUR MONEY BACK A HUNDRED TIMES, DE PREACHER SAYS. IF I COULD GET DE TEN CENTS BACK... I'd call it square, and be gladder to chanced. Well, it's all right anyway, Jim, long as you're going to be rich again sometime or other. Yes, and I's rich now, come to look at it. I owns myself, and I's worth eight hundred dollars. I wished I had the money. I wouldn't want no more. End of chapter 8